Shalom, Crypto 101ers. Bryce Paul here. And this is Pizza Mine. We got a killer lineup for you guys today. We have two super, super interesting projects that are not necessarily blockchain projects. They're what you would call a DAG. So, Pete, tell us quickly at a high level, what's a DAG and why does it matter? It's different than a blockchain. The way transactions are sent around is you have to have you have to perform two proofs of work before your transaction gets spent. So it exponentially spins up this network that grows faster and faster over time with more usage. Huh. This is phenomenal for small microtransactions and is really great because the normal attack vectors of a 51% attack or a denial of service attack don't work. In fact, they actually make the network better. That sounds super interesting. So we're going to dive in to Holochain first uh, and then to Nano. But, you know, let's just quickly just talk about Holochain. So, again, it's it's not a blockchain per se, but I, I like actually uh, what Holochain talks about uh, in this podcast. They, they talk about it being a new medium that can carry richer patterns of communication and social coordination. So, so kind of what this means is that these new systems are ways of coordinating machines, right? They're a new way for machines to be accountable to one another and to facilitate all these sorts of autonomous machine-to-machine -machine value transfers. So how do we do that, right? It's by users or machines owning their own data and being able to monetize that, right? Having sovereignty over their own identity um, and being able to transact peer-to-peer -peer without centralized systems. Um, and these platforms are super scalable. You could build really light, fast, cheap applications. Um, and so with, and with Nano, I mean, they, they've got, you know, instant transactions, zero fees, um, just a, what is it? A thousand times quicker than Bitcoin settlement. So, you know, there's, there's pros and cons and, and we'll get into those in the interviews. Um, but I'm really excited for this because I think what we're about to introduce some new concepts to our users that they really haven't been uh, exposed to perhaps yet. These are these are some esoteric 2.0, 3.0, newfound, newfangled ideas. Um, so without further ado, Pete, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Matthew Schutte, Director of Communications at Holochain. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Thank you for having me. I love the slogan that you guys have at Holochain. Think outside the blocks. Clever, clever. Well, we are in the blockchain space, but we're not a blockchain. And uh, we have a, a different approach and, a, and really different goals. So that's where that, that comes from originally. Awesome. Tell me about that. What does that mean that you are a blockchain company, but not don't have a blockchain? What do you guys do? Tell us a little bit about the origin. So Holochain comes out of something called the Metacurrency Project, which has actually been around since before the Bitcoin white paper. Our goals were a little different. We were, we were aiming for something else. But without going into all the details of the Metacurrency Project, I'll just tell you a little bit about Holochain. It's, it's really an attempt to create a peer-to-peer -peer alternative to the World Wide Web. Today on the web, there's always a company or a corporation in the middle, whether you're using Facebook or Uber or Twitter or anything else, really. Uh, there's always corporate web servers that your messages are having to pass through in order for you to be able to send tweets or order rides or book 
a room. And basically with Holochain, we took a swipe at inventing an alternative to that existing World Wide Web where people can communicate and coordinate in any way they want without having to have a company in the middle. And basically we're doing that by making it so that within a Holochain app, uh, whether it be an alternative to Uber or Facebook or whatever the thing is, what's happening is we're making use of, or they really, the users, are making use of each user's device to do a little tiny bit of work to basically pull their own weight as part of the application on the storing, validation, and serving of content. And that's replacing the work that corporate web servers normally do. For us, this leads to some really interesting possibilities. It it doesn't mean that you can't have business models. Of course you can, right? It does mean that you don't have to have a business model in order to be able to communicate. And, you know, conversation doesn't require a business model. You and I are having a chat right now, and we might be making money off of it. We might not, right? It's not a need. But unfortunately, in terms of digital communication today, that's not how it works because web servers cost money to run. And so the only forms of communication that we can do today have to have somebody making money out of the interaction. And we think that that really limits the possibilities for patterns of communication and coordination that could be pretty darn useful and may actually be essential if we're going to solve some of our most complex challenges. Can we define the word communication? What does that mean? (laughs) Well, if I go really deep into the philosophy, it essentially has to do with state changes. So a state change on my body, meaning its shape, let's call it at some level. If my body changes in some way and that propagates through some medium and results in a change on your body, I would call that communication. Meaning right now I'm vibrating vocal cords. Those are actually creating little sound waves that are propagating across air molecules, bumping into one another. There's a whole microphone thing here and the internet, but let's let's skip that. Let's pretend we were in the same room. All right. And those sound waves bump into your eardrum your eardrum changes shape. It flexes, right? It vibrates. And on the back of your eardrum, there are these little hairs that wiggle and they generate static electricity and that sends signals into your brain. And the pattern that signals end up firing different neurons in your brain. Mm-hmm. But, but to just pull it back to the sound waves, I had an ability to generate sound waves and you had an ability to receive them. Now, that's a particular form of communication, but the pattern is general. That as soon as you have an entity able to generate some signal and another entity able to receive that signal, we've got communication. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that you actually also have community, that with just that, you have you and I now starting to be able to dance together in ways that may become increasingly harmonious and effective. So yes, that if you want to dive into it, that's really what we mean in terms of communication. We're working particularly on digital communication and trying to foster new patterns of human social coordination. But we think we're creating a new medium or substrate that can carry much richer patterns of communication and coordination than are currently in, available in what we consider to be the centralized internet. Holochain is this peer-to-peer pattern for how to run an application in ways where just the members themselves are enough to run the application and enforce the rules, whatever those rules may be. Mm-hmm. Where the users themselves are using a little spare capacity on you know, my laptop, your cell phone, etc., to store and validate and serve the content of the various users. So that's Holochain. Holochain is actually not a platform. It's not like Ethereum. 
there's no one big holo chain. Each application is its own separate social space living on the devices of the users themselves, making use of their storage and processing power to essentially enable them to participate in a game of their choosing. Is this hosting like a BitTorrent? So there's a request for this data. It pieces and splices from all kinds of different hosting machines? It's really similar to BitTorrent. In fact, our backend is basically making use of the same architecture of Bit- that BitTorrent uses, something called a distributed hash table, right? Mm-hmm. A distributed hash table lets me say, hey, I want to go look up you know, Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. And it reaches out into the network and starts finding the machines that happen to have Terminator 2 and starts pulling them back uh, and then assembling the file on your machine. That's very different from how the current World Wide Web works, which is when you type in even Facebook.com, it actually resolves to a specific machine that BitTorrent was about files and getting those files back. It wasn't about enforcement of rules. Mm-hmm. Holochain adds to the distributed hash tables this ability for a community, the people who are running a particular application, to agree about a set of rules. Those rules might include the criteria, who, who can participate, who are we willing to listen to, as well as you know, who are we willing to share this particular information with. But also things like, are we doing rideshare requests or are we doing 140 character text messages? Is this big video files or is it booking rooms? The rules are going to depend on what those participants want to do right and that's where holo comes in this kind of comes back to your question so holo host is this separate thing that is essentially a bridge to the existing world wide web holo host enables you to pay the members of your community to serve as a bridge between this peer-to-peer holochain app and the larger World Wide Web of which everybody's grandmother and grandfather knows how to type in a URL. Mm-hmm. A quick question about the speed, if we could do this really briefly. How do you keep the data interacting at a speed that we're used to if it's distributed? The applications that you're used to, like the really high-performance applications, are distributed applications. Mm-hmm. So with Holochain, you won't mm-hmm. see any latency issues as you would in general. As It's not like a BitTorrent where you down, download a BitTorrent, you wait an hour, and then you finally have your movie. It's like using the actual web. Uh, I've, I'm sure mileage will vary. <laughs> there isn't going to be one Holochain, <clears throat> right? For different applications, people are going to configure it differently. If you're using your phone, you might want it to be very light in terms of the footprint on the phone. You're not wanting everybody to be constantly uploading and downloading and having tons of backups. And so the, the members of that community may decide to prioritize you know, economy, right, affordability, essentially, in terms of their use, over latency. I will say one more thing here, just briefly, and that is, just like any other technology, this thing's going to take time to mature, right? We're going to have earliest versions that are pretty simple. When the World Wide Web came out, there was no such thing as encrypted uh, channels for passing credit card information or even passwords, right? None of that was in place when the World Wide Web came about. But over time, new layers emerged, and that matured, I'm sure we'll see something similar here. So in terms of latency, my guess is early on, there will be higher latency than particular other contexts. But our hope and our anticipation is that over time, we may end up actually even out-competing existing cloud hosting providers. Matthew, if people want to know more about Holochain or Holohost, where can they go to find this information? They can go to holo.host, that's H-O-L-O dot H-O-S-T, 
or holochain, H-O-L-O-C-H-A-I-N.org. Excellent. Matthew, thank you very much for giving us a 101 on Holohost and Holochain. Appreciate it. Wonderful. Thank you. You, you know, Pete, hiring ain't really what it used to be, man. I mean, you used to be able to just go put an ad in the paper, post it to a job board, and then bam, high-quality candidates, right? So when you're juggling with hiring, it takes everything to grow your business, and it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time. So that is kind of where LinkedIn comes in. I never even thought of LinkedIn as a hiring platform until you mentioned to me the other day that it has over 610 million members to make connections with and grow my professional portfolio. It's literally the definition of a hiring platform. So the fact that you didn't understand that concerns me, but we'll glance right over that. In fact, LinkedIn members add 15 new skills to their profiles and apply to 35 job posts every two seconds. That's quite a robust number there. That's far better than the competitor. I guess that's how they make sure that your job gets in front of people with the right hard skills and soft skills to meet the role requirements. You know, things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability. You know, LinkedIn really does the legwork to match exactly what you're looking for in a hirer for the right candidate. So ultimately, you could just focus on the right person who's got the smarts and also is going to fit into the culture. If that wasn't good enough already, you can get $50 off your first job post by going to linkedin.com slash crypto. Again, $50 off your first job posting, linkedin.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. Colin LeMayhew, founder of Nano. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Hey, Matthew. How's it going? <laughs> it's going great, man. You're calling from Italy? I am. Yeah, Lake Como right now, uh, but that changes pretty frequently, but usually over in Europe these days. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, I like to get straight to it. I like to understand these projects, the one-on-ones, the history, what you guys are doing, and the future. So let's start out with your origin story. What is your origin story, sir? The origin story of Nano is, um, I, you know, I've always been interested in cryptocurrency ever since I heard about it in about 2011 or so. I sat on it, watched it from the sidelines for about three to four years, seeing its progress. I, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, like adoption and movement on it. So I decided after that amount of time to figure out what the limiters were for adoption in cryptocurrency. And it seemed to me it was transaction speed and cost. So I have a background in software development I and a little bit of applied cryptography. So I decided to try to figure out what I could do to remedy those things or if I, if I could fix it. And that's when I started working on Rayblox and now today Nano. Excellent. So just a quick question about that. Okay, so Bitcoin and Litecoin and these other cryptocurrencies were, was like revolutionary, like made by either a group of or a lot of very freaking smart people. You you, you just said that you just like kind of like eh, kind of into it, did some schooling on it, was like dabbling in cryptography and did, and then made a better solution. Yeah, well, I, I didn't do it for a long time. I looked at it and I read the idea of Bitcoin uh, point to point value transfer. And I said, that is an amazing idea. One day we're going to have money on the internet. Amazing. So I still had a full-time job. So I just, I, I continued working on that at the time. And as time went on, I was curious as to just what was going on with it. Could I help out with it at all? Uh, or could I improve it? And maybe the answer is no, maybe the answer is yes. I always tell myself, my team, if, if somebody else does it better, we'll, we'll work. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Work on that. However, uh, if we can contribute something, we'll also do that too. So I worked on it for a long time, four years by myself. And in the last year, which is now coming up five and a half years, we've worked on Nano. I, I think that we have a, a pretty good contribution to the value transfer space. So that's what we're doing right now. Awesome. Then, so what did you create that is better than the Bitcoin, Litecoin, or current systems that we are dealing with at the moment? Well, the big two things that people look at, if you're looking at value transfer, which is, can I send an amount of value to someone else anywhere else in the world? They want it to happen fairly quickly. They want it to happen easily without complication, and they don't want to pay a lot of cost with it. And that has to be over the long term. So from the deep technical standpoint, a lot of people that work on Bitcoin know, or, or any, of the, any of the cryptocurrencies know that um, transaction time is, is the primary thing that people focus on. And there's also transaction cost and there's other things. So the improvements that we've made uh, or, or are working on making and we have made is our transaction times work in less than one second. Uh, quite frequently, they're less than half of a second, which is very appealing to people. And then we um, don't have in-network fees or, or block rewards, which is what they're typically called. So that's what we've uh, worked on. So, so when you talk about, let's just talk about the transaction fee first. You say, Basically on your site, it says instant transactions, zero fees, infinitely scalable. Let's first talk about the instant transactions. How do you use cryptography to make instant transactions, keep them all under a, a second? And will that always maintain its speed? Because you just said it's infinitely scalable on your website. Will it always be that fast no matter how many transactions or the volume that's being transferred through the nano yeah. blockchain? Yeah. Um, so 
ultimately, we live in the real world, which has physical limitations. So it can't go on forever. However, there are technologies that we apply in nano, but you know, we didn't invent them on the internet internet traffic has the same thing. It, it all comes down to prioritization and quality of service throttling. So what we do is inside of the nano network, we have a, a proof of work, a small one compared to um, a lot of the other proof of works out there that needs to be attached to your transaction, which throttles it, which says, I've spent an amount of time and amount of work on making this transaction happen. And what the network does is put transactions that have produced more proof of work in the front of the line. So if someone tries to do something like put out transactions with a very, very low proof of work, um, you know, dust attacks or spam attacks, they're not going to attach a lot of proof of work to their things. However, other people that are doing infrequent transactions, they're doing daily things, they're buying food products or you know, coffee or whatever, which is much less frequent. However, they want their transaction to finish quickly. They'll attach a higher proof of work to it and their transactions will go to the front of the line and they'll be processed by the network. So no, you can't send an infinite amount of transactions into the network because we're over the internet. It all takes bandwidth, but you can prioritize things that are likely to be transactions by people that are doing normal things versus just sending out useless junk. So there's limitations, and you said the limitations are internet and bandwidth, uh, but there's a couple of things that we're looking at right now with uh, other blockchains. We're talking about the block sizes, either if it's one megabyte or even Bitcoin SV says they're going to go up to two gigabytes of, of block size. What is the limitations? What are your current block sizes? Is it just you're setting that specific individual data of a transaction through the internet or on your blockchain with your preferred work attached? How does that work? Okay, so um, yep, increasing the block size will help with the throughput of the network. And these are two specific things that people that are more familiar with network protocols will understand. It's throughput versus latency. So larger block size will increase the throughput. However, the protocol would have to decrease the block time, you know, the average block time, the retarget time. They would have to do that in order to decrease the transaction latency. So it, it depends on what people are, are looking for. So if they're looking for more transactions through the network, increasing the block size will work just fine. If you're looking for my transaction to be confirmed in less than one second, you're going to have to have less than one second block times. Uh, right. Some people have attempted that. It's possible, but that's what you'd have to do in order to get that. So as far as Nano goes specifically, our, our block size is actually one transaction. We, we don't have a block size. We don't group them together and things. They, they come out on an individual basis. You as an individual, when you're making a transaction, you sign it, you attach your, your own proof of work rather than a miner doing it, which mm -hmm. is a significant difference. So you're attaching your own because you're proving that you are spending some effort to make this transaction. You put it out there. It's on its own. It goes out to the, uh, the representatives that people have picked in a distributed manner and they validate it in a queue based on how much work you've attached to it. Um, do I do this now? Do I do this later? Etc. So, is there a consensus model? How do you know that whatever you your, the work that you did is valid? There is a consensus model. So, what you can do as a person that publishes a transaction to make sure that it has been accepted by the network is to listen for the votes that come back. So, when you publish a transaction out to the network, if it appears valid, meaning it's it's signed, there's a, a proof of work attached, it gets flooded out to the network, so people repeat it, and that those go to representatives, and what the representatives do when they see the transaction and that it's valid, they vote to approve it. And that they also see that it's not 
a fork. In all cryptocurrencies, there's the possibility for someone to publish conflicting information. So they vote on the transaction that they see and they say that this is valid. And what everyone does is they look at the votes that come off of the network and see, does the majority of the network agree with this transaction? If there's a conflict which says, you know, maybe this person published two conflicting transactions, they're, they're trying to double spend, which one is winning? The representatives will throw their weight over to the winning transaction and eventually the network converges to the transaction that has the most vote weight and then everyone eventually votes for it and then it's confirmed. And at that point, when you watch the, the network traffic, you can make sure that, that your transaction has been confirmed on the network. Got it. How many representatives are there and how do you become a representative? There's several hundred right now. What people are mostly interested in is how much voting weight they have. And the way that inside of the nano network, the vote weight is distributed is by balance holders. What you do is as a person, if you or me have a thousand nano, we can choose our representative that can vote with our 1000 nano. They can't spend our nano, but they have that amount of vote weight with it. And we can pick it uh, to whoever we want. It may be a university, maybe a local interest group or um, in exchange, whoever we pick to do that, and they get to vote with it. So right now, I would say there's probably about 30 to 40 principal representatives that are out on the network. And that's something that our community is continuously encouraging people to expand to make it a more even and more distributed network. And that's something that the community can pick out rather than like a, a company investing a bunch of hardware into things. Um, so we, we think that that's a, a, a good model to go through and it's worked out fairly well. And I think it's going to uh, work even better as we get more people in the network. So there's no uh, hardware requirements or hodling requirements of the nano token? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you said it well, there's two specific things that you don't need to do. Um, it, it's balance weighted. So it depends on how much the balance is. However, what, what, what does balance weighted mean? I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. So balance weighted means that if I hold 1000 and I give it to, let's pick a bank, let's say we're going to say there's, there's a crypto bank out there. I give them my 1000 weight. Somebody else gives them 200,000 weight, maybe because they own 200,000 annos. So that crypto bank can vote for transactions to that effect. My university can do it maybe um, 50,000, maybe 150,000, however much people have given the vote weight to them. So would this be called delegated proof of stake? We're trying to call it something differently because um, delegated proof of stake has a bunch of other ideas to it. So we, we call it open representative voting. And the, open, okay. the openness means that the balance holders at any time can choose someone else to vote for them. Um, and it's, it's that kind of fluid model. So we, we think this is actually really a really cool idea because if there is a, um, a representative in some area, maybe a country or a region or um, some place where eventually they have a problem with voting um, without coercion, what the people can do that have delegated weight to them or, or give them weight is they can point it somewhere else in the world mm-hmm. digitally and instantaneously. Uh, that's in contrast to um, mining farms where, you know, you're in an industrial area, you're connected to a power grid. And if there's coercion going on, you, you don't have many options. Like you're, you're not going to be able to uproot and move somewhere else very quickly. So that that's the idea. That's kind of why we do, are doing this digitally instead of with hardware. Got, gotcha, gotcha. So just to be clear, the person that holds more tokens has more weight. Therefore, they have a bigger voting 
sway. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 mostly. And I mean, when, when you look at it, it's who are the people mostly concerned with whether or not the network continues on working. So working means the currency, it, it functions as a currency. If you can double spend it, what it is traditionally called is counterfeiting. If you can counterfeit the currency, the currency mm-hmm. that you hold is worthless. So I'm, right. I'm as, a, as a person that holds, you know, a million dollars, $50 million, however much in currency, I don't want that currency to be counterfeitable. I don't want it to be forgeable. Otherwise, everything that I have is useless. And that, right. that's kind of the model that we're working on. Gotcha, gotcha. Last question, and I think this is probably my favorite question to ask, is Bitcoin is the most popular cryptocurrency in the market right now. It still hasn't got mass adoption. It's still not a currency to be used in a lot of markets. You can't go to the store and buy bread. You can't go to even, you know, Expedia.com and and, and buy an airline ticket with it. So how are you going to take this seemingly better technology to the mainstream, compete with the uphill battle that Bitcoin had and still not over take it so people are actually using it people are accepting it what's your plan for the future of nanode is it a long-term plan do you have a marketing plan or are you just hoping for the best oh yeah no we're we're definitely not just uh letting it to the winds of fate so it is a hard question the question is how do you roll out a currency into the world entirely across nations without having the only people that have rolled out currencies before are people that have uh you know militaries or police or uh governments so that's Do you a, have a military? No, not at all. No, so, okay. Yeah, I don't know so, what you're funding over there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, they don't. But that's that's the thing is it's it's a very hard problem and it's something that a lot of people and even us for us it's extremely hard to conceptualize. But what we're working on currently is we are using this in a way to do interbank transfers between countries. So between not just banks, but central banks between countries. So people that need to do um, between euro and U.S. dollars, U.S. dollars and Japanese yen and all these other currencies. That is actually something a lot of people are not familiar with. However, it's a significant cost to the world. And more significantly, you can do it in bulk. So it's not just tiny amounts. It's not a coffee amount. It's not $7. These guys are looking to move $5,000, $10,000, you know, upwards as high as it goes. And when you can do that and you're just working between businesses, that's a large volume of money that's being moved between it. And what we're cutting out there and what we're improving and making more efficient is transferring that money across borders. So we can do that, mm-hmm. obviously, in one second. We can also do that with no fees, which, you know, a lot of other current if you're doing a $10 million transaction and your you know, Bitcoin Litecoin fee is $3, $5, it's not a lot. However, it's countable. And these guys work on right. less than 1% margins. They, they're working on razor, razor thin margins. And they want it to be there right now. Every single minute or every single hour that it is delayed is a risk to them because the currency fluctuates. So they're the fundamentals. And so we're working on that. And then from there, another industry that's interesting is international remittance, people that typically move money across borders. So it's um, Western unions, it's um, all the competitors to Western Union. They transfer wise, they use these backbone money transmitters internally. They're the customer facing version of this commercial industrial money transfer that moves around. So that's stage two that's out there. And then moving on from there, eventually you're going to hit the end users, which is 
actually probably the last people are going to use it. Third world countries will probably use it first because they don't have credit cards. They don't have digital transfers that right. work as well. First world country, you know, US, right. Europe, um, UK, they're probably going to be one of the last people to adopt it, quite honestly, because you right. know, I have a credit card and I can tap it on the counter, Apple Pay, whatever. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's done. I, yep, I don't need exactly. cryptocurrency. But uh, there's a lot of people in the world that do need it. So, you know, that's who we're going to be targeting. It's the people that have uh, the biggest need for it. If people want to know more about uh, Nano, how can they learn more and where's the best places to read, engage in your community? Yeah, so we have nano.org right now and we currently have uh, our best ways currently our Discord servers and, you know, Reddit, our, our subreddits, but also we're going to be releasing um, a new website pretty soon that's going to have a, a little better ways to, for everyone to communicate, mostly support, maybe how do we use Nano? And then we just recently redid the documents, the integration documents for Nano, which are much, much better than they were before. I, I really like them. So people can go there to also docs.nano.org. Awesome, man. Colin, founder of Nano, thank you very much for giving us a thorough one-on-one on your project. And I wish you the best luck in the future. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.